I can't come here and die I can't come here and lose Got all this shit on my mind Like what the fuck I'm a day Work ain't paid me in time My baby just ripped me my mood Back to you just cut off my line This is a trigger warning This episode at times Contains conversations and sensitive material That people may find difficult to listen to Hi guys and welcome to the Echo Chamber. I'm Jade. And I'm Ez. Today we're going to talk about suicide. How's your week been, Ez? I've had a really lovely week. I have just got back to Lagos from Enugu. And I just had lots of fun. Like, I had lots of fun. I saw family. I ate Igbo food, which I haven't had like proper proper food proper Igbo food in a really long time it was quite stressful work-wise because the internet and the network was just less reliable and that was quite stressful but aside from that yeah I had a really good week um I think I've I'm very conscious of like not having enough me time and I think that that's the only thing that I would say this week that I probably haven't given myself enough time um, but I had some beautiful meditations. I did a really beautiful new moon meditation. I've had a good week. Um, how about you? Yeah, I've had a good week. Very busy. I started lecturing this week. I was asked to take the African politics module at the uni. So that's started um, teaching on Tuesday. So that was really interesting. we have been prepping for it for some time, but doing everything online. So it is a lot of talking. There isn't much expectation for students to really engage because they might not have the means to. A lot of talking, boy. (laughs) I thought I liked talking until Tuesday. And other than that, I've just been, yeah, at home, really. What can we do? Um, Working at home. I bought myself a new book, which I'm really looking forward to um, having a little read of where I can find time. It's called The Fat Lady Sings by Jacqueline Roy. And it's about the intersection between race, gender and mental health. So I'm really looking forward to having a look at that. I think I'm going to make some time um, on Valentine's Day (laughs) to have some downtime and have a little read. But yeah, yeah, that's been my week, really. We're going to jump into this conversation, which is really timely in terms of like what is going on externally or more broadly. But it's also really relevant because of your article is which is going to be linked in the description. If you see on the Echo Chamber socials and as a socials, you'll see that it's been shared. Tell us a little bit about your piece that you wrote this week. Yeah, so I a piece um, which was published that ballad um, and I just spoke about suicide, my relationship with suicide and my kind of learnings from suicide attempts um, and suicidal ideation in general. So live with that over a very long period of time. Ultimately, the need to like be selfish and really prioritise my needs um, in order to not get to a place where I feel suicidal firstly, but also if I'm in that place, just manage it effectively. It was quite a personal piece. I wrote it on the way to Ghana actually like literally um the words just came to me actually that's not true so I I think I had a conversation about suicide that week or the previous week I just feel like 
particularly in the black community, when I've spoken to people about suicide, a lot of people that I am around just don't get it. Like, not they don't get feeling suicidal, but they don't get like what would actually bring somebody to take their life or attempt to take their life. And I know what that feels like and have had that experience um, multiple times. So yeah, so I had that conversation and I think it was in the back of my head for a while. I also feel like I'm, this is my kind of cycle where I'll go through something quite traumatic, soldier through it, and then when I can breathe, process it through writing. And that's quite a normal process for me. So I think I'm at a place where I can breathe. So yeah, so on the plane, the words just came to me, literally, like, words came to me, wrote it, pitched it to Black Ballad, they put it out. It feels quite exposing because I think I talk quite openly about mental health. I think mental health is like, is it's a topic at the moment, isn't it? So the past couple of years, I think there's been way more conversations about well-being, mental health, yada, yada. But I do think that there are parameters around where that conversation goes. So I think that in my experience, in that conversation, and again, I'll speak to the Black community, um, that conversation is feels somewhat limited to depression and anxiety. Um, I think that when we start going into kind of psychosis or different versions of mental health um, needs, I think that it can be awkward um, or people have a real lack of awareness or understanding of it. Um, and I do think suicide is something that alluded to or people feeling that I've had conversations around it. I don't know if I've ever had conversations where I've directly addressed this has been my experience or I've mentioned it, um, but I don't have ever kind of spoken through what that has felt like. So yeah, I thought I'd write that piece, wrote that piece, put it out. It does feel very exposing. On the day it was published or the day it came out, I wasn't in the best place, to be honest. So it was a bit of a like, oh, rah, these words are out there now. Um, but I'm mm-hmm. grateful. I think I've come to a place now where I feel more grateful um, that it's written and that it's out there. I'm going to be so honest. I really don't, like, yeah, I really don't know how to start this conversation. I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm really sensitive. I, less because it feels sensitive for me um, and more because I'm very aware that like I had an experience last year which I've written about and again I, I touched on this in the piece I'm really aware of the fact that that wasn't just my experience so I'm aware of the fact that people around me yourself included were impacted by that experience I'm conscious of people listening who have had their own experiences it is I think less feel sensitive about it but more that I'm aware of the sensitivity um when it comes to this conversation the need for sensitivity when it comes to this conversation I think actually it would be interesting for me to hear maybe because we haven't directly discussed this ever but I think it would be interesting for me to hear what your process was around that incident so for to be just clear and to name it um April in April last year I took an overdose attempting to take my life it was a really odd day a really odd period but I think an extremely odd day so something happens with me I now attach it to a symptom of borderline personality disorder but something happens with me where like I just snap 
and it's happened. So this is not the first time I've attempted suicide. I've attempted suicide, I think five, well, I know five times in my life. The first time when I was 12. And yeah, something happened. So I'm like, it's like the normal thing that's going in, like um, a normal type of depression or whatever it is, like, or sadness or whatever it is, or stress, whatever it is. It's like a reasonable, manageable amount. And then like literally, usually off the back of something triggering, I just snap. Um, And that happened that day. But because of where I am in my life, so because I have, um, I do a lot of of work on myself to not get to that place. Um, But also I'm very self-aware. So I've, I've been able to identify in recent years, oh, I'm approaching that place again. Um, and do things to stop myself from getting there. This time round, I myself was shocked in hindsight as well, was really like taken aback that I didn't know I was at a snap. Um, and I snapped on that day. Um, I know, firstly, I'm very, very, very grateful to be here having this conversation to be alive. I really like life. I really want to be alive um, for the most part. And I know that, I know the stuff that was happening around me. So for example, the panic, the lockdown, just life, um, I think, yeah, just life, everything happening around me, I think made it more difficult for me to be able to measure what was going on inside of me. Yeah, everything happening around me. Yeah, that's actually it, I think world just wasn't the same so usually it's like being able to measure myself or being able to kind of know where I'm at checking in with myself and having a context for my feelings or thoughts whereas I feel like this incident there just felt like there was no context for my thoughts or feelings and yeah I think for you guys and by you guys I mean you my friends and family around me I think it must have come across as that really random or really like well, I'm projecting, what was your experience of that incident? I was very confused. It's maybe the adjective that I'll use to describe how I mainly felt. I think I felt quite confused. I didn't understand what was going on. And that in part was because I think that I woke up pretty late. And so I've woken up and like I had quite a few calls and messages on my phone from different people. But because the last time that I spoke to you, so the, so it's very funny and interesting and weird that for some reason, me and Ez just never really speak in the evening. We only speak like in the daytime or the morning for the most part. So of course, the day before, to my knowledge anyway, you were okay. I guess I assume that something took place between the night and the morning. And when I've like woken up and got some messages and whatever, yeah I think I felt really confused I was really like what's happened people were being a little bit hush hush I think people maybe were feeling like oh and it definitely ties into what you were talking about is in terms of like our perceptions and like these almost tacit parameters that we've put around like mental health so it's like we've got this faux openness So if we're talking about someone being sad or someone being depressed or someone feeling anxious and a level of anxiety, we can freely and openly have that conversation. 
But when it gets darker, it seems like us as a community, we that's where the buck stops. That one, like we've got to keep it hush hush. We've got to keep it secret. We can't talk about that one. That one is the that one's embarrassing. That one doesn't fall into the context of like permissible conversations around mental health when it comes to us as individuals or us personally. I think I felt that when people were like really reluctant and hesitant to like communicate with one another. So there was that. And then I did manage to contact and get through to Joyce and she like stayed in communication with me and was obviously like, yeah, one of the superheroes of the day. Yeah, she just stayed in communication with me. And I felt really, really, really relieved because you were all right. And because Joyce was there and yeah, I think a part of me felt maybe a bit bad in that why wouldn't I like I speak to this person so much or this person is in my world and vice versa so much. Why wouldn't I have been able to um, maybe identify that this was Wagwan? I think it made me question a little bit like are you paying attention when like somebody needs help you know are you fully plugged in or tuned in I had those questions to ask myself I think that those were the different feelings or emotions that I felt on that particular day I'm very aware that having this conversation now is bringing stuff up for me mm. and I think it's bringing up for me is um just how maybe alone or like alone is not the word I'm thinking of because I don't feel alone but just how um I think in my lived experience there are very few people that I have relationships with that I believe really understand suicidal ideation um and I can connect with people on such deep levels about different things including wellness healing mental health but when it comes to this specific thing it does feel a little bit just too dark almost Mm. um and it's interesting because off the back of this article a couple of people have reached out to me about past attempts that they've had or their experience of that suicidal thoughts. Um, and it doesn't shock me. So it's not even like I'm that, oh, I think I'm the only person in my life has felt or thought this way. I do think I am one of very few people I know that has gone like as far as taking actions towards ending my life. It makes me feel weird, if I'm honest. It makes me feel weird. It makes me feel I feel very sensitive to like, so that's why I've, and I've, I don't think I've shied away from it. I think I've even mentioned it on the pod before that I've attempted suicide. It does make me feel weird <laughs> and it does make me feel like there's a bridge between wanting to do it and doing it. And like, I've crossed that bridge. And when I've crossed that bridge, it's been quite, they're quite serious attempts. So it's not like, they're quite serious attempts. They've been quite serious attempts and it's quite dangerous actually. And when I've crossed that bridge, and I remember saying to myself, actually, the time before last year, which I can't remember how long, it was some years back, but I remember saying to myself, next time I try to do this, I'm going to walk in front of a train. That it's not going to be 
an overdose thing because that clearly doesn't work for me. I remember like having that thought. It was interesting because on that day I actually went to a train station and I sat there and I was like, I can't walk in front of a train. <laughs> like the, the, the thought of the pain. And then I got into this whole conversation in my head about like, do I really want this then? Because if I can't walk in front of a train and I think that, and I believe that that's more likely to achieve the goal that I want than all this different stuff um but I bring that up to say like the bridge walking over the bridge from I'm thinking this I'm thinking this is what I want so I'm gonna take action um I know what it's like to walk over that bridge and to really like negotiate like actual like think through oh this is what the end goal of this action is going to be and still take the action and I just don't think a lot of people around me have had that experience, particularly not in adulthood. So I I feel weird and I feel uncomfortable that I have been to that place. And I also feel different. I feel like I'm talking about somebody else almost. When So in this moment, in this conversation, I don't feel like that and I don't want to do that. So it's, it almost feels like I'm talking about somebody else, which again is a bit of a mindfuck. Um yeah I think that um they're not attempting or people around you maybe not disclosing that they have attempted or genuinely just not attempting has something to do with like "Mm, that one is too dark um yeah second point is um in my experience of reacting to I guess the manifestation of suicidal ideation whereby um, somebody they didn't even show me or disclose but I saw that they had been cutting themselves um, up and down their arms and legs my reaction to that um, also indicated to me or indicates to me when I think back to it there is something in I don't know, maybe the shame, the just the resistance to cross that, thinking about it, to doing it. Um, and so I say all of that to say that I really hear you in when you talk about like you feel very, you feel different, whatever other emotions you feel around um, not only disclosing this thing, but also sitting with, with your reality. Or I can have suicidal thoughts and not want to walk over the bridge to the action point. And that's like very common. On the, the days of my life where I have tried to walk over that bridge, I don't feel in control of myself almost. And it's odd because I'm very like, I'm a very rational person and I'm rationalising and it's rational and I get it. And it, so it's not like I'm necessarily like, it, even if it is impulsive it doesn't appear to be it doesn't appear to me to be like very it's almost like it's a rabbit hole and I just find myself in it and then I'm there so it feels odd it feels it feel, when I'm here when I'm like not in that place it feels really odd that oh rah, you go to that place and I know what that place feels like it's familiar it's it's not new I know what it feels like but it still feels odd um it's, yeah, it's still strange to me. Um, but I, I also think there's something about that you've repeated about like it's a little bit too dark. Um, and I think there's, I know a lot of people, or I'm around a lot of people that like 
just won't look at their shadow or just can't engage with their shadow in the ways that I do. Um, and it's interesting because what happened for me anyway was the more I began to engage with my shadow, the less scary it became. And the less I wanted to even run from it or the less I wanted to even like, like I had less suicidal thoughts. So I, over the past few years, I've definitely felt significantly less suicidal than I would have felt in the past. Um, so getting to that place last year for me, that like I think the, 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 the factor that was different surrounding the incident was everything happening around me. That's the only thing that I can look at and be like, okay, that's the thing that was different um, that made me want to take that step again. Um, because the world just didn't feel safe or stable like on so many levels or layers and it's not even something that I think I that's not something I rationalized so I didn't have I couldn't grab that and be because it was my first experience in it I couldn't grab that and be like oh this is what's happening this is why it's so intense or this is why it feels so unmanageable in this moment um and I couldn't name that because I hadn't experienced it before it came to me or I thought as you said it that's so interesting that um the world around you didn't feel safe and stable in the context of the pandemic I assume yeah and that feels so not so I get it 100% yeah like, like the world as we knew it didn't feel safe or stable but I found I found so much comfort in going through it with everybody you know that everyone was going through the same thing and maybe maybe because a lot of my instability in my life, a lot of the instability, a lot of the dark times have always felt like they were happening to just me. But this felt like something that was so extreme, so destabilizing, so like far from the norm, all of that. But it was something that we were all going through all at the same time. So that I found a safety in that. But yeah, that's so interesting that um, you just like, yeah, you couldn't find a safety or identifier. So I felt the opposite. I, well, obviously I felt everyone was going through their own thing. And I knew that we were all suffering, like we were all struggling. But I just, I felt actually no one's going through this. <laughs> and okay. that's probably not true. But I think, and there were also stuff around like the, there was lots happening last year so there was like the process of getting like which I'm still in the process of getting the BPD diagnosis that instability around my housing situation there was just so much in terms of like aside from in the context of a pandemic so there's the pandemic and everything going on there then in that context there's like all of this stuff that's going on personally and then my mind is just playing up like my mind's just playing games with me at the same time. That isn't even necessarily what's new. What was new was that I hadn't caught it. So what I think the, the reason why I think the pandemic maybe impacted my experience was because mm. like, so let's say for example, I was going to work and let's say, oh, I can't get up and shower for work. Then that's an, that's a telltale sign that, oh, okay, maybe I'm, I'm more depressed. Or let's say, for example, that, yeah, let's say, for example, there was uh, my usual structure in place. There are ways that I can identify that, oh, okay, I'm engaging with the world or life in this way. And I can, I can catch that um, before it gets out of hand. Um, mm. 
Whereas that just wasn't the case. So everything was like on go and on 10. And around that time, I had a case at work where a young woman had experienced quite a serious, like she'd been harmed quite seriously. And I was so disassociated and detached. Mm. And that to the point where it doesn't make sense. And I can be like that. We've worked, because I've worked in the violence against women of sex for so long and because of my own personal experiences and just because like, I um, yeah just to, yeah for for so many different reasons I'm able to detach myself from like some really vile things and I really utilize when and I'm not working in that sex at the moment and I've I, when I was I really utilize like clinical supervision and like I really use things around me to support me to do those roles mm-hmm. um but this was different this wasn't like oh I'm this wasn't I'm managing it didn't feel like I was managing it well so it's not that uh, a really horrendous thing has happened and you're managing it well um because you're not getting overly emotional about it but it didn't feel like that it felt like it felt like this is bizarre how disassociated I am how what like what is going on and so yeah so that was happening um around the same time as well and I remember and like that was probably the first telltale sign of like something serious is going on with my mental health something more serious than an everyday normal press I can't remember if that was before or after actually the attempt to be honest but um I very much remember it now again in hindsight I can look back and be like oh okay like it must have been in a really bad way I couldn't identify that for myself which is not usually the case for me usually I'm able to identify name what I need get what I need for myself or ask people to give me what I need if I can't give it to myself I've gotten very good at that but I think the difference for last year was like yeah everything was just up in the air I didn't feel like there was much stability or support around me at all I definitely hear you I feel like in the article you speak very explicitly about like what feels that to me, one, needing to come to a place where you fully remain associated with yourself. So you like, don't come out of that place of being like fully aware and associated with as, and that almost being the antidote to walking over that bridge and going from thoughts to attempt for me that's very pertinent because it was only when I began therapy that I even had any conception of like being really associated with myself and being able to name things and being able to like yeah name things name emotions process things actually like take time and zoom in on how am I feeling how has that experience made me feel how has x experience made me feel deciding if I need to take some time all of these things that sound so basic but that I think actually and I think I say a lot in the podcast that I don't think that society promotes that stuff on top of just not having a knack for it until I went into therapy and I was sort of taught and supervised and guided into engaging with those kinds of processes that was very striking to me and and I think it's been striking to me I think in our friendship generally but also the way that you position it in the article as being like completely intrinsic to 
as I said, not walking over that bridge from ideation to attempting. That's my lived experience. So for me, mm. it's that if I do not look after myself, it is peak. And it's not peak in the way that it's, it looks peak for other people. And it's this, again, this is not a measuring, this is not me saying that mine is worse or better or anything like that. Everything's relative in it. But I know that for me, if I don't after myself, if I don't give myself what I need, if I don't demand my needs, then it will be very peak. That's a very kind of quick summary of the article. If I don't demand what I need or give myself what I need. And it's benefited me. So the, the other thinking about actually is how much beauty came out of that the experience as a mature adult, more mature adult, attempting suicide at this stage of my life. Lots of beautiful things came out of it for me. Like I do so much like wellness and self-care and collective care and blah, blah, blah. I do so much talking about that, all that stuff. And I live it as well. So it's not just talking, I live it. It showed me like that I'm not above having to be diligent in that work and prioritise that work. Um, and my approach to that work post last April has really changed. Um, so it's not just that, oh, this is interesting or this is nice or this healing stuff is... But it's like, no, this is like what keeps me alive. Um mm. This is what keeps me alive. I think there's also like, well, I really want to be alive. And I think mm-hmm. I can really, that like, I can say that, that like, I, I know that. Um, and I think maybe before that incident, I don't know if that's something that I knew um, in the way that I know it now. So that's the other thing. Like, like I said, I've attempted suicide five times. Four of those times, post the incident, there was a real like, deep regret that it didn't work or like that oh fuck's sake why am I still here whereas this time there was a genuine relief that it didn't work there was like a genuine like I'm relieved that I'm here I'm relieved that I'm able to continue life and that that has given me a new spring in my step because I know that I'm choosing life as opposed to just existing or yeah just here because that's we're hearing it Whereas for me, it feels very much like I'm choosing this. I'm choosing to be here and I want this. Um, and I'm grateful that I have this. So yeah, so beautiful things came out of it. It was dark and it was difficult and it was shocking for even me. But beautiful things came out of it. Um, the weird thing for me, something that is weird for me, and it's, it does pop up if I'm being so honest, is that like, I think because I'm quite matter of fact and because I kind of got on with things, I think that I did feel a little bit um, like I don't know if I know how to let myself be held. Mm. Um, so I think I did feel a little bit like, or I do sometimes like, so even like now, there's someone close to me in my life that I'm not talking to. It's long, it's a long story, but basically, I do feel a little bit like, well, life is very short. Life is too short for this to be the scenario that we're in. One and two, there is like. I need to look after myself and I need to prioritise myself. And I expect that person to know that. It's a real balance in that. It's like, that's not me saying that, oh, because I've attempted suicide, I, no one should ever get angry with me or um, like I should never be held accountable for things mm-hmm. or like, 
yeah, we always just hold wrap me in bubble wrap because, oh, if I get too depressed, I can get to that place. No, I'm really not trying to say that. But what I am saying is I don't know if in my case, because of like how I am with people, I don't know if people really deep my needs. Um, and I don't know how to communicate severity of like my needs to myself. I don't always know how to do that in a way that that doesn't feel unfair. Um, so and I think I touch on it in the in the piece because I talk about like people have their own needs in it and their own expectations and their own experiences and their own sense of the world. Um, and I think I say something like I don't always get it right or it's not it's not that it doesn't come without tension or friction. Beautiful things have come out of it, but also I think some of the more challenging things are like negotiating relationships, mm. actually. So the, the more challenging things that have come out of like my realizations from last year's attempt is like how difficult it is to manage relationships in the context of prioritizing myself mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and the, the real kind of conviction to like prioritize myself, otherwise it will get peak. Get what you were saying. There's such a weird irony in it in that, um you are very matter of fact as you said as you described and you um can communicate you know yourself or you're very you're very very self-aware and so you can communicate what you need but I also get what you're saying in terms of you being like this yeah like the strong friend because of that you are like almost deemed as a strong friend and I don't know if it's a case of there is like an offload that people feel people feel safe offloading onto Ez and because you're so matter of fact with communicating your needs that comes across as yeah like a a superhuman strength and so that gives people leeway in the interaction with you to do the offloading or to project or whatever the case might be I think it's something that I have thought about quite a lot since that incident and not only because of that incident um, and I think that I mentioned this in the episode um that time we almost stopped talking but yeah I think that that is that's something that um I can very much identify about you or with you and that I yeah it's a weird one but it's something that I can identify in yeah I also know that like I don't actually Mm. know I know what I want from people on the one Mm. hand I I don't know in (laughs) it like on the one hand it's like I yeah, you're right. I can I can communicate. If there's something immediately, oh, Jade can help me do this, or Jade, I don't like it when you do that. Mm-hmm. That I'm able to do that. Um, and then I don't want to be so something that actually annoyed me. Um, and I, I not on yeah, no, it did. It annoyed me about <laughs> that period was I felt that people were constantly talking about me. Um, and I'm like, so it would be really obvious. I'd speak to one friend, and they'd like say something. Then I'd speak to another friend a few hours later or a day later and they'd say something, made it clear that they'd had a conversation. <laughs> um, it's just like, you know, dumb in the time. And that at the time it was really annoying. I got it. So it wasn't like annoying to confront this. It was just like, oh, okay, this is annoying. Um, but like they care about you and you have done something quite drastic. So yeah, they're allowed to they're allowed to be annoying in this way in this time. So there was that. I knew I didn't want that. 
But then equally, mm-hmm. I think me, uh, with my matter of fact, like giving my, I can, yeah, whatever it is, approach to life or whatever it is, if people, if I didn't feel people cared, I knew I wouldn't want that either. I don't want to be smothered. I'm someone that very much means like, if I don't want to talk or if I don't need, like if I, for example, if it's like, oh, yeah, Jade, I need you to come round. I'm able to say that. And so, or if you're like, oh, Ed, I want to come round. And I'm like, oh, no, I actually don't want you to come round. I, I mean it. Like, I actually don't mm-hmm. want you to come round. Don't know. So, yeah, so I don't know. But I would, I, I'd be lying if I said that I didn't have feelings. I think it's popping up in this scenario where I'm not talking to the person that I'm quite close to. It's popping up in this scenario. I'm like, there is a whole context for my behaviour that I just don't feel is being considered. And I know that I'm talking in a very abstract. So that's what, yeah, so there's that where it's like, ah, like, it doesn't need to get really peaked. But then again, it's a balancing act because, and and I touched on this in the piece where I'm like, I I want to do it with integrity. I want to do the selfish thing with integrity. So I don't want to like, just be, everyone can be like that. And everyone has needs and not everyone's suicidal. Everyone has needs and everyone has the right to meet their needs or get their needs met. Um, but I think there's a way to do that, that considers other people and that is thought, thoughtful. And I don't always get that right. So it's, it's difficult and it's an ongoing conversation. Um, but yeah, I'm be aware that like this conversation that we're having is very specific to one specific incident. And this is mm. how looks for me. Um, haven't even touched on, and I don't think I want to touch on other incidents in my life. Um, mm-hmm this has happened because they've looked very different and the context for those have been very different. A question that was asked me one time when I, when I was hospitalised after an attempt was, do you want to end your life or do you want the pain to stop? Mm-hmm. Um, and the psychiatrist asked me that. And at the time, I wanted to end my life. Mm-hmm. Now, I want the pain to stop. And having that question in my mind usually helps. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're, they're different things so that if I could continue living and the pain and the darkness and all of that could just disappear would I continue living now I can say yeah categorically yes and again I'm not saying that that's everyone's experience so there are some people because there are points in my life where the answer would still be no but and some people's answer to that might be no um, and, I, and I hear that and that's valid and I think there's also stuff around like just talking. It is really weird to talk about, particularly with people that don't get it and with people that like haven't had those experiences and that will never cross the bridge no matter how depressed they get. But I would advise, and again, I like to steer away from advice, but I would advise in this instance as much as possible to talk. And if that's therapy, if that's with friends, family, colleagues, but talk because getting it out and saying it for me helps me to clarify my thoughts around it so it's not just like that doesn't even necessarily mean it stops me thinking I want to do it but Mm -hmm. it helps me to clarify my thoughts on it Mm -hmm. when I'm unresponsive to my needs is when I feel suicidal so when I'm not Mm -hmm. drinking enough water when I'm not exercising when I'm not eating right when I'm not getting enough sleep when I'm not surrounding myself by good vibes people when I'm not giving myself my needs or not in a place where I can access my needs so it might not even be my fault it might be like 
work is just completely on top of things and everything's upside down or whatever it is like my family issues or a relationship it could be so many different external factors that get me to a place or trigger a scenario where my needs aren't being met um but I think creating a routine that gives me at least some of those things so meditating daily for me drinking water and eating I don't even eat clean but I just try and try to not do a madness <laughs> um mm. getting mm. enough sleep not being on my phone too much those are like things that I can give myself so even if like everything's upside down and I'm giving myself those things I am more likely to not get to that place um mm. not that it's impossible like we saw last year but I'm more likely to not get to that place um yeah I just think yeah having I, I want to open this conversation I don't think I'm the only one even though it might feel like that sometimes um, I don't think I am the only one that has had this experience or has these thoughts. Um, and they aren't too dark. They aren't too dark because they're there. So if it's there, then it's it's something that we that we should lean into, we should discuss, we should seek to engage with. I agree with what you finished up on there in terms of shedding light on these things. I very much agree with you. And I hear you. And I don't, as much as people probably may hide the fact that they do genuinely just not go from ideation to action I think that in the context of it being feeling like a solution I think I can very much identify with that and there are a lot of people around me that I think I can vouch for and say that that's also been the experience of ideation it feeling like a solution to problems that feel insurmountable or things or feelings that um that are in, that feel insurmountable at the time and yeah like the way that you opened up this conversation via the piece was very very accessible very timely and very not scary <laughs> not scary didn't feel scary or dark or too big a thing for someone to access and identify with um even if this was their first time facing their reality of um, their own relationship with suicide but yeah check out the piece it will be linked in the description um and it's yeah you'll find it on black ballad socials you'll find it on black ballad's website you'll find it on ezzy's socials and the podcast socials one of those things that i do as a trauma response or like genuinely something that i forgot that i think is really important in how is your week was I am really craving McDonald's. I'm really sad about the fact that there isn't McDonald's in Nigeria. Um, and I wanted to share with people before I so because it's actually been on my mind throughout the episode, but I didn't want to, it wasn't appropriate to bring it up at any point during the episode. Um, so I just thought, yeah, I would share that. Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening. Have an amazing week. Please reach out to us. We're also going to put in the description box charities and places to go and people to reach out to organizations to reach out to if you are experiencing suicidal addiction um suicide thoughts or if you just need to speak to someone um but yeah thank you guys for listening
my bed, just rapping in my bed. I tell you, just call for my life.